Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots who fly those airplanes, the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Dingbats Take Flight. And I hope dingbat isn't too harsh a term. I could have, you know, called it blonde moments, but considering I am a blonde, I wanted a term that was non-hair color specific. Because, you know, anybody can have a moment where you really aren't at the top of your game, you know, that you're a little slow on the uptake. And, you know, passengers quite often are slow on the uptake. You know, they're in a different environment. They, they're a little stressed out. Um, there's any number of reasons why you can have a moment that isn't maybe your most shining moment. <laughs> and flight attendants have a term called Skyheimers. And it's not to make fun of Alzheimer's. It's just that we have flight attendants who have been flying 30, 40, over 50 years. And who knows what all that flying does to you? You know, we're like the first generation of any group of people who have spent that much time in the air. And so you, you can have a forgetful moment or two. But don't you worry, the skies are not full of dingbats. You know, it's just a few moments. And that's why they're funny. So Let's hear about those dingbat moments. A buddy of mine was an engineer on the 2-7, and a flight was from Salt Lake to forget where and then coming on back. And at the place where they stopped, uh, it was a uh, oh about an hour and a half before they're going to push back, so the ship cleaners come on board and Everybody's kind of laying around. Flight attendants were looking for a place to sleep, and but the ship cleaners going back and forth. You can never find a good place. Well, in the seven-two between first class and coach, there's a coat closet there. So uh, she figured she just opened the door and take a nap in there. So she did, and uh, very light load going back. Well, it came time to board people, and it's where is she? Where is she? Couldn't find her. So. And this is when we were not minimum staffed, and she was nowhere to be found. They paged her everywhere, couldn't find her. She was sound asleep in there. So they said, well, we're going to have to leave her behind, and hopefully she'll get on another flight. So they blast on off, and as soon as the airplane takes off and it wakes her up, she's like, what do you do? So she thought about it, and she goes, well, she straightened herself up the best she could, opened the door, and walked out of there like it was something normal to do. Not a single passenger said anything. She walked up to the flight attendants and goes, hi, and the, where have you been? So she had to explain that story. Now, at the airline that I work for, there is this famous flight attendant. She looked like an older version of Marilyn Monroe, and she was famous for being... Um, ditzy, I guess you could say, or uh, confused. She was very nice to the passengers, though, and she is now retired. But one of the famous stories, everybody seems to know the story, she would have trouble getting down for, uh, for pickup at the hotel on time. Actually, she had trouble getting anywhere on time. It's amazing. She lasted 30-some years at the airline. But uh, one day, they're picking up in the hotel, and 
this flight attendant isn't there. And they're all rolling their heads thinking, oh, gosh, here she goes again. So they call up to her room and she says, I can't come down. I can't find my skirt, her uniform skirt. And they're like, what do you mean you can't find your skirt? She goes, I can't find it. It's not anywhere. I can't, I can't come down, you know, in my pantyhose. So two of the flight attendants went up to her room. They're thinking, oh, gosh, what does she mean she can't find her skirt? So they go searching for her room, through her room, and sure enough, they can't find her skirt. Eventually, they found it between the mattresses. She had put it under there to press it overnight and forgot. <laughs> Yeah, one day on the flight, one young guy says to me, Hey, um, flight attendant, there's smoke coming out of the airplane. And I look outside the window, and it's just clouds. <laughs> Now, this same flight attendant I had just been talking about, who is famous for being ditzy, unusual, late, uh, colorful, definitely colorful, and she's already retired. But one day, again, she's late for pickup at the hotel on a layover. And they're thinking, everybody's thinking, oh, gosh, where is she? So they call up to her room, and she said... I've got my curling iron, because she was always very concerned about her appearance, stuck in my hair. And they said, well, cut it out. And she's like, no, no, I'm not going to cut my hair. So she came down with the curling iron stuck in the back of her, the neck of her blazer, her uniform blazer. And she worked the entire day with that curling iron sticking out of her uniform because she didn't want to cut her hair. Don't you worry about this. Don't you worry about that. On a very, very clear winter day, flying out over, and I'm not sure, is this New Mexico? Wherever lunar or a meteor crater is, the big crater that's still out. Winslow, Winslow, Arizona, thank you very much. And there's a major highway, and then there's an access road that goes out, you know, and it's nothing, it's just straight lines, not a curve at all. And the one little dirt road basically goes out and stops right at the edge of the crater. And I was reading off of the uh, little guide about how, like, how many thousand, hundred thousand years ago that thing hit. And I said, well, look, you can see it down there. See the crater? She goes, wow. She says, oh, my gosh, it came so close to hitting that road. <laughs> so the other day, an uh, older gentleman stops me and says, can I ask you a question? And he points to the exit sign at the window exits. So on the 737 where we have the overwing window exits, there are signs, of course, where the exits are. There's also a sign that hangs from the ceiling so you can see where the exits are. We try to have as many signs as possible so people will be aware where the exits are. And he, he points to the exit sign that's hanging from the ceiling and says, um, is that an overhead exit? <laughs> he actually thought you'd go out the ceiling of the airplane because that's where the little sign was. <laughs> Is that those times where your mind quickly goes, should I mess with them? Should I just explain the real answer? What should I do? And sometimes just to entertain myself, I just can't help it. Maybe 
that's terrible of me, but I said to him, oh, yes, that's the overhead exit. It's for the people who are very good jumpers. <laughs> I said, and you know, we actually have a little trampoline that we stow back here so that the people can jump on the trampoline to make it out the overhead exit. I know it's terrible, but actually he laughed. I do find that even if you make fun of people, if you're smiling and you're happy about it, they they they, they don't actually seem to care that you're making fun of them. <laughs> you're gonna find a way in the end it's okay. So I'm on a flight yeah. sixty seven sixty seven. I'm not sure I think we're going to Atlanta. And uh, I'm working first class. The, the safety video is done and over with, so I'm walking towards the back, checking seat belts. And uh, this gentleman stops me, and he says, um, can I have some oxygen? And I said, uh, is there a problem? Are you not feeling well? And he goes, no, I just saw in your video that you have oxygen available. And I have a cold. My nose is kind of stuffy, and I'd like to have some of that video that's up there. And he points to the overhead bin. And I said, you know, that's just for emergencies. I don't think, I mean, if you're having a problem, we can stop right here and we can get you off of the aircraft. And he goes, no, no, I just, I just have a stuffy nose and I thought I could have a little oxygen. wipe your tears, put on a pretty smile. Things are going to get. Okay, so you have a dingbat story? Oh, I think I do. <laughs> I'm on a flight, and this lady says to me, she says, can I ask you a question? I'm like, sure. She's perplexed. She's looking out the window and says, are we going to see water the entire way to Hawaii? I'm like, oh, gosh, I hope so. Because <laughs> if we don't, that means we're not going to Hawaii. You should be sure to tell me that, you know, when you see a mountain or a lake, because... We're definitely not going to Hawaii if you see anything else. She looks out the window again and says, Oh my gosh, we're going to see water the whole way. Now, I'm going to add my own story to that Hawaii story. One of my sisters, and she's going to hate the fact that I'm telling a dingbat story about her because she actually listens. Most of my friends and family don't listen to the show. And you know what? That doesn't bother me in the least. Because if only the people that know you listen to something you're doing or read your blog, that's just kind of sad. And the fact that, you know what? I've already hit 250,000 listeners. And the fact that they're all strangers and they don't know me, I find that much more flattering. Anyway. This sister got an uh, invitation to a wedding in Maui, and she lives in Fort Lauderdale. And that is a long way to go. She was going to go for the weekend, and she wanted a buddy pass, which is standby. And you know how many flights you have to take to get from Fort Lauderdale to Maui? So I was trying to persuade her not to go just because there's so many, you know, it's standby. There's so many places you could get bumped. It takes so long for such a short amount of time. And she was like, no, no, I've never been to Maui. I have a place to stay. I might not ever get a chance to go. I'm going to go. I want to go. So I'm like, okay, go. So she calls me as soon as she gets back and says, why did it, it took me so long to get there? Why didn't you tell me it was so far? And my guy told you over and over again. And then she explained that when they took off from Los Angeles, she kept looking out the window thinking, when are we going to land? Which, of course, it's five hours from L.A. to Honolulu. <laughs> so she says, uh, I thought that the Hawaiian Islands were to California what the Keys are to Florida because on maps, flat maps, 
not a globe. They usually cut off the Hawaiian Islands and stick them closer to the United States just to save space. <laughs> she actually thought they were right there. <laughs> so she's probably going to hate the fact that I'm airing a dingbat story about her, but oh well. This was when I was a first officer flying out of Florida, and this was before 9-11 when uh, we had this uh, program for a little while where we could bring flight attendants up, sit them in the jump seat in the cockpit for takeoff and landings, and so they could see how busy we were during those uh, times of flight. And so as we're taking off out of Florida, there's some clouds off in front of us, big puffy white ones, and just before we entered, I go, sir, cloud penetration checklist. And we both reached for our oxygen masks and slapped them on, and the flight attendant was back there trying to find her oxygen mask to go into the cloud. <laughs> the past is gone, set it free. Don't ever let the care. Yeah, Venus. Uh, this was relayed to me about a 141 first officer female type who was brand new to flying, and um, she saw this red, white, and blue blinking light out in front of her. thought it was traffic, so she kept asking to climb higher and higher. And finally, the uh, aircraft commander said, well, how high are you going to climb? And she goes, well, until I'm above that traffic. He goes, well, do you think you can climb above the uh, height of that planet out there? Okay, 7.27. Before we had the nice glass with the little magenta lines, yeah. uh, the flight attendant was on the jump seat, and she was saying, well, now how do you tell where you're supposed to go? What is your route? They were at cruise altitude. Are you familiar with contrails? Yeah. Okay. There happened to be a contrail <laughs> just in the right place. The sun was behind them, and there was an overcast. So the shadow of the contrail made a black line across the clouds. So the captain says, well, we just follow that line there. Follow the black line. She looks out the window. Yeah, I see that. That's a good idea. We just follow the black line. That's how you tell how you go. Choke the life from your heart and lead to despair. Now, this next story falls under the strange question category. You never know what passengers are going to ask you. So we're still on the ground. The door's open, the jetway's there, and this Asian girl, a young Asian girl, comes out of the lavatory, and she comes over to me, and you can tell when a passenger is going to tell you something embarrassing or strange or something you probably aren't going to want to hear. They get this tone and automatically you think, oh, what are they going to say? What does she want? So she comes up and they used to tend to get close because they don't want other people to hear. And she said, um, I just blew my nose in the bathroom. And I'm thinking, oh, goodness, where is this going? And she said, um, I'm worried about the pressure. And can I go out in the jetway? And I just sat there with this very confused. I couldn't understand, like scratching my head because first of all, you can blow your nose on the airplane. <laughs> and second of all, we're on the ground. The pressure in the jetway is the same as the pressure on the plane. <laughs> I never did figure out 
I said, sure, go ahead, go out on the jetway. But I never did figure out exactly what she was afraid would happen if she blew her nose on the airplane. Don't you worry about this. Don't you worry about that. Don't you worry about love. This was early on in my career when I was a first officer, and we were flying into San Antonio, and the whole crew gets in the van that leaves from the airport to go downtown, and we stayed at a hotel called the Alamo, which is right behind the real Alamo. And so I'm talking up the town because we have a brand new flight attendant that has never been to San Antonio, and I'm telling her about the sites, and that coincidentally the real Alamo is right behind our hotel where we're staying. And I'm telling her she should go over and visit and and, and check things out because it's really very interesting. And coincidentally, I actually had a relative that was in the Alamo. And then I start talking about how the attacks happen and as we round around the street, you can see our hotel. I see you can see it has many levels. And the reason the Mexicans won the war is that the night before, they stayed in the Alamo Hotel right behind the Alamo. And when they woke up in the morning, they had a distinct advantage of being able to shoot out the windows down into the courtyard where the uh, Texans were trying to defend the Alamo. And she replied, yes. I do see how they'd have a big advantage, as the rest of the crew cracked up. Okay, so this is one of those stories where uh, they did something smart, maybe? Yeah, so not too, uh, well, not too smart, I would say, but years ago, when we had the 727s, we were flying Fairbanks. We did do the early morning flight. Well, it didn't matter in Fairbanks, because it was always cold in the middle of winter, any time of day below zero so we'd have this is before the jet the days of jetways and so uh you'd have the stairs yeah and and you know you'd be waiting for the passengers to board you'd be waiting and waiting and you're standing there with the doors open your coats on but your feet were freezing especially i guess for the for the ladies because they had yeah the dress and then their their little um high heels or whatever they were wearing and so they came up with this idea that before they put the meals in the oven, they would, they would warm up their shoes for boarding before the passengers got on. So one day, so on one flight, I guess, they, they all put their shoes in the, in the ovens and, and turned them on. Well, I don't know about the smell either, but apparently... The, or the cleanliness. Or the cleanliness, indeed. But, but the heat made the leather made the leather shoes curl up so that the toes were like genie shoes and they got them out of the oven I guess they had to put them on because what else were they going to wear they got ruined genie shoes <laughs> they all wore genie shoes that day but I think at least their feet were warm flight attendant for a long time and I always think wrongly that I've heard everything that every question that they're going to ask me I've heard before and you know people always surprise me <laughs> so we have my airline has discontinued pillows we don't have pillows on board on domestic flights and it has been you know a sore subject because most people still expect to have a pillow and so people had been asking about pillows, you know, over and over and over again, you know, do you have any pillows? And I had gotten to the point where I just was saying, well, the pillows have been discontinued. So this 
guy, something like 30 years old, said to me, um, can I have a pillow? And I said, no, pillows have been discontinued. We only have them on international flights. And he said, he looked very puzzled. And he said, what does that mean? And I, I was assuming he meant he didn't understand what discontinued meant. And I said, well, it means we don't have them anymore. We don't carry pillows on the aircraft anymore. And he still looked puzzled. And I was about to try to explain it another way, <laughs> even though I didn't know how it couldn't be clear that they're discontinued. And I was about to make a, a, a third definition of discontinued when he actually had been trying to figure out why. And he said, why were people choking on them? <laughs> and I actually had to laugh at him. I laugh right there. And I said, no, people weren't trying to eat the pillows. It was just a cost-saving measure. How in the world could you choke on a pillow? Who would try to eat an airline pillow to choke on it? <laughs> but that was the only thing he could come up with. That's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope your next flight is dingbat free. <laughs> or maybe not, because you know what? A few dingbats here and there can be entertaining. So I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. You can join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeye's. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeye's. Let's go. Let Popeye's do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeye's flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants.